we're back. The Dio Sportscast Zoom edition. We got a couple fellow Dio sports writers here alongside Josh Schaefer. And we are going to do a Dio Sportscast in uh, in the wake of COVID-19 and talk about some of the impacts of the coronavirus surrounding Syracuse Athletics. Most notably, a little over an hour ago now, we're recording this a little past 8 p.m. on Monday. A little over an hour ago now, the NCAA granted... Uh, eligibility back to spring athletes who had used up the last of their eligibility this spring, so they'll be able to come back for a final year eligibility next spring, although I think perhaps one of the more interesting things within that is that the financial aid that was previously provided to them is not required to be provided to them next spring. So athletes can come back under what sort of financial conditions and to study what is a big question that we don't know yet. I think athletes are probably also wondering that themselves right now. Uh, let's just give everyone an introduction here first, and then we'll kind of delve right into that. Uh, guys, if we can just go around and kind of say where we're at. Uh, I'm in, back home in uh, Mansfield, Massachusetts myself. Uh, if everyone can just kind of say where they're at, give us a, your healthy smile, and uh, we'll go from there. I guess I'll, I'll start. Uh, Andrew Grimm here reporting uh, from Oklahoma, Michigan, back home in the Mitten. Um, i locked out of my parents' house, not entirely sick of them yet, but uh, we're, we're getting Sharon Mass, right next to Josh. But Josh is not social distance with me quite yet. He had a pretty sweet campfire going the other night, but didn't get the invite. Kind of so so salty. Just responsible. Yep. Uh, social distancing is going pretty well back home. Got my dog, got a lot of reading to do, and my mom's cooking. Crane, what about you? I am uh, <laughs> back in Wheatfield, New York. Um, which just had its own car parade of some sort the other day. Um, I was doing work in the morning, and all of a sudden, like, 60, 65 cars just pulled through my, my neighborhood and a uh, little Wheatfield car parade. But same idea, just enjoying the family time. And, uh, I don't know, it's different, but, you know. Got to stick on the car parade for a second. Did they have signs, or, like, were they all so playing the same music? By, or was it just, like, sad people with cars? Yeah, it was led by the Wheatfield Constable because it's not big enough to have its own sheriff or police department, so we have a constable. And then we had like a couple fire trucks behind it, and then like 60, 65 cars. I was kind of surprised that like that many people lived in Wheatfield. wasn't actually certain that the population was that high, but Buffalo's. making us all miss random parts of New York for sure. <laughs> you want to? You want to yeah. take it? No, here um, officially Syracuse, London. Uh, DO Sports Bureau is closed. Uh, I am now in Valley Forge, no longer uh, spending my semester hiatus in Europe, but uh, glad to be back in involved with the DO crew again and uh, not going crazy yet. So we're, we're good so far in, in quarantine. And lastly, Tim Nolan here from Granby, Connecticut, very rural to begin with, so social distancing has not been too hard for, for many of us here, thankfully. Uh, luckily, Connecticut hasn't been hit as hard as you know the other states in the tri-state area. So, you know, fingers crossed. Hope people stay smart and excited to keep going with this cast. And so, let's jump right into the uh, to the NCAA decision here. I guess I personally would say that I I agree with it. This is how I expect it to play out. Play out. I didn't think winter sports would suddenly get any sort of benefit out of this. I mean, pretty much all of them had finished their regular season. They were definitely, I mean, they missed the most important and fun part of their season. 
people play for championships. That's kind of what we're doing here. Um, so I think that that was definitely disappointing for the, for a lot of the winter sport student athletes, but I wasn't expecting that they would get eligibility back, but the spring sport student athletes getting eligibility back, I think was the right thing. I don't know if everyone agrees on that or if someone thought that this wasn't going to play out the right way and that they shouldn't have got it. Throw it out to the group. Yeah. I mean, I agree with, with the decision uh, and I agree that winter athletes shouldn't have, shouldn't have gotten extra eligibility. I mean, if you had basketball players playing, like, pretty much five whole regular seasons, you'd have a bunch of records kind of shattered pretty much for no reason. Um, seniors who really don't deserve to be in the conversation as, you know, all-time points leaders would suddenly get a huge leg up. Um, as for spring athletes and spring eligibility and how that might play out, um, there's still a few hurdles uh, that still need to be uh, cleared before this all is totally official. Um, the news tonight is that schools get to essentially decide how much aid they want to offer and also, you know, they're going to have more ability to, to expand their rosters to accommodate incoming freshmen and returning seniors as well. And I think that actually might play to schools like Syracuse's advantage, you know, schools that generate more revenue than an average school. Um, and if you think about some southern schools, too, that have spring sports that are more revenue-generating uh, sports, like baseball, that Syracuse obviously doesn't have, that, uh, that could be a big factor for a bunch of decisions on that. Uh, but I think Syracuse, I mean, the, the numbers just came out about their revenue. I think they almost generated $100 million in 2018-19. You know, one of the one of the most in the ACC. They're in a good spot. Their athletic department is, is self sufficient, so I think they are in a pretty good position to offer pretty much as many scholarships as, as they want to be competitive. So, Danny and Shafe, if I may, I, I might disagree with you guys a little bit um, when it comes to winter athletes. Uh, really thinking that just because you know when you play you play these sports, you play it to win a championship to get to a championship, right? And that was some of the thought process behind giving these spring sport athletes another chance. So why, like, you can make the same argument for winter sports. And to Danny's point about, you know, oh, you're going to have all these records shattered, you can put asterisks next to records. They, they've done it in baseball. They, they've done it in, in other sports. I feel like that shouldn't be people's first concern. And I, I feel like it would also be, you know, huge for the likes of Obi Toppin and, and Dayton and, and teams that will never get to – the pinnacle of their sport for for maybe a decade or so now, uh, and that's just ripped away from them. So I feel like if you're going to make the argument that spring sports should be brought back, they should have given you know more consideration to doing the same thing for winter sports. Would it have been kind of weird to play another regular season for these seniors? Yeah, but at the same time, you know, they, nothing was really accomplished. Both conference and you know national tournaments were ended completely. I think part of it from not having dug into it too much, honestly, just mainly reading up on it. It seems like a little bit of a logistical nightmare to me. So I know a big issue was the scholarships and where the money is coming from and things like that. And I saw the NCAA extended some of the amount of scholarships uh, universities can have, colleges can give now and that sort of thing. And they also are going to help provide aid for some of those schools that don't have as much money to try and keep funding the students there. And they upped rosters and things like that. Cause you don't want to impact the freshmen coming in either. But when you make that now two seasons, I mean, I'm not 
I don't know exactly the math of winter, spring, fall, what sport breakdowns are, but that's about two-thirds of your athletics department, right? Now could have influxes as many as five or six extra kids on each team. It becomes a lot more money. So I think they tried to cut the line. They cut the line somewhere, and I think they cut the line there as to what was fair, but also what was manageable. And so they're kind of trying to run with that. And, yeah, the winner, the winner athletes will get to talk about who would have won the NCAA tournament for the rest of the for the rest of eternity. I'm sure the uh, fellow Daily Orange men's basketball beat writers would agree with me that Syracuse would have obviously gone on to win the ACC tournament <laughs> and then the NCAA tournament, but that is up to all of us to sim on uh, 2 Kenya. Well, I just think about the 2020 NCAA tournament could be the most talked about sporting event that never happened. Because um, well, I, I just think about the, the we lost probably – my estimation is going to be maybe the best NCAA tournament in recent memory. Because other than Kansas, was there any team that was sort of above the pack? And they weren't that far above the rest of the pack. And I just, I, I, I to Tim's point, you really feel for a team like San Diego State, like Creighton, Dayton, um, any team. Syracuse. Sure. Any right. team teams are rising in. You're just not going to put together their net, like, the 2019-20 Jays basketball team will never happen again. And whether you give those senior athletes a chance to come back next year or not, the 2019-20 Jays basketball team will never happen again. And with the, the logistics of it all and the fact that I think the NCAA was smart to sort of use the regular season as a parameter here. Because I think anyone in sports will tell you the postseason is a luxury, not, a, not an entitlement. You get there by winning. And I know there were teams that won that didn't go but going by sort of the sports mantra, you're not entitled to anything. And it's just sort of what circumstances dictate. And it's unfair. It's it's not, like, I can't say that these guys didn't get a raw deal, but I just think it's in the best interest of maybe the whole picture of college athletics. Yeah, and I, I think to, to keep this conversation going forward a little bit too, I'd like to, I'll ask uh, Andrew Crane and Anthony Dubondo here who haven't chimed in in a minute. Just what you guys think athletes will do with this eligibility. Will they take it or not? And I think as college students, not necessarily student-athletes, but as college students that talk to our parents about our own future plans all the time and kind of have this four-year scripted out to then end and move on to something else, I think we kind of have an interesting perspective here where I know for myself graduating in six weeks, if I was just suddenly granted another year of school, it, from a fan perspective, it's easy to say, I'll come back and win a national championship. But, like, there's also life plans, too. So I'm curious, uh, Anthony and Andrew, what do you guys kind of think of that one? I think it's interesting because, you know, ever since, the, like, in the last hour, a lot of, you know, athletes have maybe been liking tweets or retweeting tweets about, like, next year, 2021, all of that. I, th- I wonder, I'm curious, curious if it's just this, like, I don't know, like, immediate reaction to the NCAA granting it? Because like you mentioned, there are job offers out there, you know, a master's program. Does everybody want to come back and get a master's degree? Like, not necessarily. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how many people actually announce that they're going to take that next year. Like, and not just say, you know, you know, can't wait for next year, excited for this point. You know, after they sit down and talk it over with, you know, logistically how it's going to work with financial packages and all that. Like, that's going to be interesting. And I think something I wanted to bounce on off the last question too is like, is this a precedent now that the NCAA set? So for example, if fall sports end up getting canceled and the coronavirus is still this 
you know, major topic of conversation then and impacting the sporting industry. Like, do all fall athletes get this extra year of eligibility? And it's just this build on of revenue that schools now have to decide, like, you know, if that happens, then they have to give fall athletes that extra year and spring athletes that extra year. And now that just kind of builds onto this revenue that they need to, to somehow come up with. I think the two most interesting things are one thing that Josh hinted at is the difference in funding um, for programs. Obviously, Syracuse is one of the better funded programs and, and has the revenue that they can afford it. But what is the, the policy that's going to be put in place to make make it more fair for programs who can't afford to do that or don't have the kind of revenue that Syracuse generates from its football and basketball programs? That's that's the one thing that I'm most interested by because it's a, an immediate concern. Um, and then the second thing is also from an uh, educational standpoint, uh, I talked to a, a rowing coach yesterday who they don't have a graduate program at Hamilton. So his kids don't really have a choice. They can't stay and take the fourth year because they're all graduating. Um, so I think that, that's another interesting thing too. Not every school is going to have the same um, educational type graduate programs that Syracuse will. Some have much less expansive ones, and that's going to really limit the options of students who want to stay around. Um, you know, if you're going to stay at the same school and try to get another year, you do have to take classes and get an education as well. So uh, that definitely makes it interesting. And then I guess a third point that, um, you know, a lot of these job offers and a lot of the, the people who are graduating now are entering an economy that may not be particularly friendly towards people who are, are trying to get jobs right now. So they could incentivize them to end up coming back. Yeah, another year of student loans. You know, most athletes, especially spring sport athletes, the majority, and I don't know if casual fans always know this, the majority of spring sport athletes aren't on full scholarships. Like, almost all of them are not on a full ride. And so from that perspective, you're taking on some sort of financial burden to play another year of a sport that, again, isn't going to lead, it's not leading to money for them. It's, it's another year of a sport that probably doesn't even feed into the pros. Most of these spring sports don't even feed into lucrative professional careers and so it's kind of just coming back for unless you were already say a year into a two-year grad school program then it makes a ton of sense like if you had already done that some kids do that or if you were going to go to grad school to begin with and you're lucky enough that your school has it it'll be interesting to see the transfer market too that's something i just thought of that i didn't even thought of until right now if you get that year back you don't want to do grad school at your school like do the ivies all of a sudden become even better at lacrosse? Does everyone just go to Yale for grad school? <laughs> and they just like form the best team ever? I don't know. It's something new. Oh, Andrew Graham, what's your take? Ivies don't allow grad players. That's actually a conference rule. Um, really? Cannot be a graduate in the Ivy League. Shot player. down. Particularly in sport. So, yeah, no, I just came in the chat and really shocked off down on that one. Uh, but I, was, I saw Dana O'Neill had something much smarter um, to say about it than I will, of course. Uh, but basically the Ivy Leagues are actually a real hotbed of like that's why Seth Towns had to transfer from Harvard. Right. And like that's why he's playing for Ohio State, right? Um or one of the Duke. So no, Ohio State. I don't remember. I, I didn't pay that up Seth Towns. But Ivy Leagues don't allow grad transfer, so I, I do agree with you. I think the grad transfer market gets really interesting of a bunch of players maybe I guess, like, for the Ivy League example, otherwise wouldn't be allowed to play. They can be playing college sports or something, and then they can go grad transfer somewhere else. But people will not be uh, flooding to Harvard to play their grad transfer. 
so with the with the recent events of the last couple of weeks in general, I know a couple of you guys kind of reached out to different teams and, or at least talked to teams as this was all unfolding and kind of watched their seasons. And um, I'll throw it out to Danny first. I know, Danny, you kind of had uh, – you talked to women's basketball, the women's basketball team a little bit and kind of how this all played out with them. Just kind of what did you hear from them? What's the update on Syracuse women's basketball amidst the coronavirus? So it's, it's much different than a lot of teams. Um, for the women's basketball team, they had played their – conference tournament they got bounced by Louisville in a blowout um, so they basically had a whole week before the whole Greensboro fiasco that Josh and, and Nick covered uh, from North Carolina um, so they were they were following the news they kind of saw the writing on the wall um, I talked to Gabby Cooper today whose career kind of ended abruptly um, and they they had kind of come to terms with it by the time they had you know their players, their players meeting. They were still practicing, but after practice, um, a coach brought them on to a meeting and, and let them know that the season was over. Uh, they were most likely WNIT bound, um, so it might have hurt a little bit less than some other teams. Um, and now they've all, you know, gone home just like everyone else. Um, social distancing. Now Tiana Mangakahia is from Australia and. She has to uh, wake up super early for a couple of her classes. Um, she's still working that out with her teachers, but the 14 hour time difference. 14 hour? 4 a.m. for a class. It's tough wow. look. Yeah, that's interesting. It's something that a lot of students have to deal with in all of our classes, I think. Like, even, even something as simple as a 10 a.m. class becomes 7 a.m. on the West Coast, or kids that have 8 a.m. are getting up at 5. It's a little unideal. Uh, Andrew Crane, what have you heard from the uh, from the men's lacrosse beat who might have been on their way to a national championship? Yeah. So it was interesting because you know they were they were like right, they were right in the middle of this development where you know Rutgers had their game. So men's lacrosse was supposed to play Rutgers on that Saturday. Um, I forget the date. All these days are just blending in now. Um, but whatever day that was, you know they were supposed to go up to. New Jersey and play Rutgers. I think it was that Wednesday, Rutgers announced that the game would be played without fans, and then that Thursday was when everything kind of went where NCAA canceled the spring championships, ACC suspended the season. So within that, you know, 48-hour period, it went from, okay, the Kennedys are going to host this, like, watch party for all the Syracuse parents up in New Jersey, as fellow beat reporter Aro Majumder was kind of telling me about, um... And so it goes from, from that, where they're, they're still planning on making the trip, to now like they're just kind of having to deal with the fact that their season is, is over. And, you know, they're, they haven't even played an ACC game yet. You know, they're, they're ranked number one, but really, who did they play to, to kind of get to number one? They beat up on Colgate and Binghamton and an Army team that was perhaps a little bit overrated. So it's, it's interesting to see where, you know, Syracuse men's across finished number one, they're just kind of getting into the bulk of their schedule where you figure out if they actually were the number one team going forward into like a postseason tournament. And everybody was saying that, you know, oh, this is the team that's going to win everything. This is the team that's going to bring Syracuse lacrosse back to back to where it was decades ago. Um, and, and now that's just kind of an afterthought at this point. So we'll pull out the, uh, the quote there that you think that they weren't the number one team in the country and weren't going to win the national championship. I, didn't, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll put that on the uh, <laughs> tweets. I just say it's tough because 
you know, you get a team like Cornell, there's a potential 1v2 matchup there. That you have UNC, a 1v3 matchup. All, any of those games could have gone either way. And even, you know, they were honest about it too. Like, you know, they, the bulk of their schedule was still ahead of them. Tim, what did you kind of hear from the, uh, from the women's lacrosse side of things? Uh, yeah, so we had ops. Our ops were typically on Thursdays, but that week they were supposed to go down to Blacksburg and play um, – no, excuse me, they were going down to Charlottesville to play Virginia, who was ranked number 18 at the time. And Syracuse was all the way up to number four. And so we had offs that Tuesday. And on Tuesday, we're at, we were actually, you know, just talking to Coach Gate when the email came out that Syracuse would be going to online classes just for those two weeks. There was nothing else about sports at the moment. So, you know, we just asked Coach, this announcement came out, what do you guys plan to do? Are you going to stay in Charlottesville, are you going to, because then after that, they were going to play Louisville down in Bradenton, Florida. Were they going to stay there? What was their plan? And Gates said, you know, oh, it's just business as usual. He didn't think much of it. And quite frankly, I don't think any of us did in hindsight at the moment. We, did, we didn't know how big this could get. So, um, well, with, with regard to sports and, and canceling everything, you know, I, I don't know if any of us saw like this coming, right? Um, so, so fast forward. Um, yeah, I, I hear what Crane is saying about the men's team and the Syracuse women's team was similarly in limbo. I mean, they were, they were seven and one at the time. They were fourth in the country, but they had three undefeated teams in front of them. They were supposed to play all three of them in a four game span, but at the same time, you know, these are games that we'll never get to see played. Uh, I would say the one silver lining for the women's team has to be that they'll finally get a senior day next year for, for those, uh, for those players that do come back, uh, you know, those of you watching or listening know about the, the Maryland situation. Maryland refused to go there. And it was funny, Syracuse Women's Lives Twitter had a pretty tongue-in-cheek post yesterday and said, can't believe it's a month since you know we beat Maryland. And they posted highlights from that game. So that was pretty cool. Um, I, I don't know what players are returning. Um, I know Asa Goldstock put on her Twitter when the season ended uh, indefinitely. She said you know, she's, she can't be more excited for 2021. So I imagine with this announcement, she's going to be coming back. She's, you know, second program history in, in saves, and I imagine if they keep tacking on stats, she's going to blow that out of the water and become the all-time saves leader. But beyond that, you know, no, no word from Harris Chuck, who, who arguably would have been the best player in college across this year. She was when the season ended. Um, and, and Morgan Alexander, senior who tore ACL for yeah, fourth knee injury at Syracuse, whether or not she can come back. I know we're, we's still talking because we're not sure. She's had a mul- she's had to take out multiple red shirts. So I don't know what her status is at this point, whether or not she can come back regardless. Um, but you know, and it'll be interesting to see you know, how this all works out. And I'll throw this uh, next one over to Anthony who checked in with uh, women's rowing and recently wrote a story that's out on dailyorange.com that everyone should go check out. And I'm hopefully pronouncing, is it Tara, Anthony? Tara? Tara. Tara. So what did you kind of learn from Tara Ryan and as far as her circumstance played out? Tara was a, a rowing athlete who had had several injuries and kind of came back, and it seemed like this was kind of her moment, and it got ripped away from her. So I guess just maybe a highlight or two from that story that you think. Yeah, I think you were. the most interesting thing is, and I talked to a few other rowers from the story, but specifically with her it was that she had a serious uh, back injury started uh, last spring, when they were on a spring trip in, in Clemson and then ended up getting significantly worse to the point where she wasn't able to row the entire fall and much of the winter season she was rehabbing. Uh, she had just been cleared and then practiced for the first time on Monday 
uh, three days before the NCAA then took her senior season away. And for an athlete like her, who, like we talked about with finances, she was a walk-on, um, so it doesn't make a ton of sense for her to come back and basically put her life on hold for a year just for another season of rowing, um, where she would be taking on, again, more more of a uh, student loan situation. And and that's kind of the, the, the thing I heard from a few other rowers that I talked to. I talked to uh, Kate Emmesinger, who said that, you know, it's time for her to put her rowing career past her. So some of the, the even smaller sports than lacrosse, um, aren't going to see the same, uh, you know, level of retention of senior athletes who have the chance. Some of them have job offers. Some of them uh, are going to try to go to grad school uh, elsewhere. Other, uh, another athlete, Madison Thousand, said she wants to take a grad year to play basketball somewhere else. So there, there's all kinds of things going on, but a lot of them don't seem like they want to, you know, put their life on hold for another year uh, and, and do that. But it is unfortunate for, for athletes like Tara who – and like Tim said, Morgan Alexander, who worked so hard to get back to, to healthy, and then, you know, you finally have the season lost. And so with the athletes that are potentially going to a different school for grad school, do you think they'd end up rowing there? In? Like, they're just going to that school for school, I assume, to begin with, and then if it works out, it works out. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to follow yeah. up. Uh, there is the official ruling, because, again, they were also uncertain. Um, they hadn't received much sure. all from Syracuse rowing. Uh, they, they had their goodbye meeting, and that was kind of it. And they said, okay, we'll wait and see. Um, so now that they have a decision, I'll have to check back up with them on, on what the uh, future holds for yeah. athletes. And I think for our final update on kind of what's going around around campus, I think Danny has something on the uh, the carried on construction, which to my knowledge is still going on, right? The carried on construction carries on, and we will have Wi-Fi the following, whether there's football or not. That is correct, uh, Josh. Right now, it is still going on somehow. Um, it's not exactly clear what uh, what delineation the carrier dome construction got, what kind of clearance they have. Um, Governor Andrew Cuomo declared uh, a, work, a work stoppage for all non-essential workers, workers right. included construction workers. Um, but construction has continued. So it'll be interesting to monitor that situation. There's there's a fine for for companies that don't comply with Cuomo's orders. So we're gonna we're gonna keep following up on that. Um, it seemed like stadium construction was not on the list of essential things right now. Um, right. It'll be interesting to monitor. To me, when I was watching it, it seemed like there's a sense of if we're gonna return to normal at some point and try and keep business going. To have that project done in the fall is very important for the Syracuse community. A, as a community thing, B, as a literal hub of business in that area when that uh, giant venue, the only venue of its size, hosts events, it's super important to have it. And so if you could keep it going somehow and have it done for the fall, that'd be huge. Whether or not that will even matter, I think, is another question. Uh, Anthony, I don't know if I cut you off there. Yeah, no, I think I think there's an important, you know, they already have the first two games. Uh, Syracuse football has their first two games scheduled to be on the road. But, you know, with conversations we've heard from around college football and, and from what we've heard from medical experts, um, I, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty that, you know, college football may severely be impacted, not even just whether or not fans are allowed to go into this brand new Carrier Dome um, or if there will even be games in the Carrier Dome or if there will be games at all. So I think that, you know, for people who think that this is over by June or July – I, I, I think it's time to seriously start thinking about the potential that this drags on past 
what I think a lot of us ever thought it could. And that, that brings money issues to which I think Andrew Graham is looking into to some extent of basically Syracuse pays some schools to kind of come up and play them or vice versa with bigger schools and smaller schools that travel in the fall. Is that kind of what you're looking into, Graham, as far as what would happen if those games don't happen? Does the school still lose the money? Right. So basically any non-conference football game is a contract agreed to between two schools that will play here on this day. Um, so Syracuse, currently for the 2020-2021 season, the only two with public schools are they play, they're supposed to play at Rutgers and at Western Michigan. Um, and so those contracts basically say each school gets X percentage of the revenue, TV, ticket, gate sales, whatever. Um, and obviously if there's no football games, there will be no revenue. Um, obviously there's a force majeure clause in those contracts, basically meaning circumstances outside of either party's control. So COVID-19 very much falls under that, that any party will be dinged for it. But basically I would imagine there's some hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake just from those two games. Um, also on DeBundo's point, I think that's a, a really salient thought of, we just don't know. There's not enough data, there's not enough information to really have any idea. A, how many people have this, where it's going, how, if, if you have it and then get better, can you get it again? We're still not even, we don't have a solid answer on that. So, I mean, from my thought is, even if public health officials say, okay, it's, it's, you can start having football games again, would I be comfortable going to that stadium? Is that a liability issue sure. for people hosting games? Like, if I go to the Carrier Dome for a Syracuse football game and somebody coughs on me and I get coronavirus, can I sue them for being irresponsible? Like, I think it would be, it, it, at right now, with what we know and the sort of trajectory, it just seems like at that point it still might be an unnecessary risk where the NCAA has set this precedent of athletes who lose their seasons to this can come back. Another another quick note um, that I want to add on to that is I, I believe Mike Bray had made a comment regarding Notre Dame next year. Because of the loss of the revenue that a lot of these schools are getting, uh, it will also impact college basketball and in terms of how much they're allowed to buy uh, other opponents as well, you know, the buy game. Um, where you know Syracuse and, and 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 a lot of bigger schools will schedule these lower uh, lower tier Division One programs, and then you know there's a contract like Graham was talking about in place. It doesn't impact just football season, but also gets into basketball uh, with with regards to the Syracuse non conference schedule for next season. Uh, getting to that. Danny's still talking on mute. Going back to that one point about the carry down, just bringing it back to Syracuse. Um, it seems like one of the reasons that they are still operating, one official said, is that there are at-risk parts just at the top of the roof. They're doing construction now. Um, so they have to fix that up first. Um, and while they do that, they're supposed to be following social distancing guidelines. So they're supposed to be six feet apart. And obviously there's no commencement this year, so there's no commencement in the dome. If, it, if the Dome isn't ready in the fall, there's talk of commencement in the fall for the graduating seniors. It'll be interesting to see that. Um, one thing that my dad brought up, which I have no reporting on this, this is not reporting, but if the only thing with the, with the Carrier Dome, the only thing that's not done in the fall, and for that September 19 
home opener. If the only thing not done is the roof, they could play with an open open roof. Like the, the weather won't be bad in September. If that's the only thing and everything else is safe, that could be cool. I just don't think the roof is. It's not, the roof going on is not a binary. It's not. It's not there and then it's there. I feel like there's not. They're not just gonna be like, well, we can wait on it and then we'll get it done. Talks on. They're gonna start the roof. <laughs> time to start the roof. Like I think this construction schedule is something that. A, Syracuse probably does not want it to drag on longer than necessary because that's going to start to cost them money in literally every possible way, both in expanded construction costs and lost revenues. Um, some of that might happen anyways, but I would be stunned if they're not trying to find every possible way to make sure this happens on time. Oh, yeah. We'll put it in the suggestion box for Dino. Dino's a listener of the Dino Sportscast. So. He, he, if, honestly, if they told him he had to play at a high school, he'd be so hype about that. That would probably be, like, the most excited Dino yeah. like, would uh, be at uh, CNS. A pond of orange. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get off here, we usually do 30-second sound offs. That would take uh, quite a bit of time with the amount of guests that we have here and probably drag about as boring as they normally are. Um, so we'll go, oh, a face from Danny Emmerman who thought he had a good 30-second sound off day. Uh, I, I thought to switch it up today, we could do what is everyone watching or reading or spending some of their time with that they would recommend to someone else in quarantine? What is your go-to show, movie, if you really are like limiting your screen time somehow and are reading a bunch of books, you can give out a book rec if you want. Uh, Danny, we'll go to you first. Uh, everyone's going to be so boring. Everyone's going to be like, I'm watching Tiger King and I'm reading Jesse's book. <laughs> Which I'm doing both of those things. Already finished that. <laughs> so so I, yeah, what do you got? I, I watched Tiger King finished up last night with my parents. I'm about halfway through Jesse's book, <laughs> and I'd recommend Parasite. I watched that about a week ago to catch up on some Oscar movies. He picks the movie that won Best Picture. Ten <laughs> out of ten. I'm saving the bundle for last. I feel like Anthony Bundle will have a. Uh, I'm counting on him to have something different. Tim, what do you got? Playing games with family, honestly. Like, like board games? What do you got? Yeah, board games. So let's see. Scrabble, classic, obviously. Trivial, Trivial Pursuit is slept on. Really, really good game. Gets gets all, all aspects of your, your knowledge. Fun. Useless, miscellaneous <laughs> knowledge. Taps into all of that. Um, it, it's been fun. Um, you know, as fun as it can be during quarantine. But, like, it really reminds you how lucky we are that like, this quarantine's a sacrifice, right? So, that's one way to go. I played already smarter than a fifth grader with my parents the other night. I, uh, I won, I think, one of three games. It was not very good. I feel like uh, Andrew, Andrew Graham, what do you got? Um, well, just coming across my Twitter notifications, uh, Yahoo sources say that, uh, so this is your, your Yahoo sources, right, Josh? Uh, the NBA is to launch a players-only NBA 2K tournament scheduled for Friday. Um, so, I actually have... Ooh. I've been getting into a little more esports in these times because I think it is a good. It obviously isn't the real thing, and sports is sort of about like watching like human bodies do things that our human bodies can't do. But it's still cool to see like an F1 driver like streamed himself doing one of the like Grand Prix that got canceled and had like over a million viewers. Um, so I think it's really interesting just to see the different avenues that like people are still sort of consuming sports, and it's actually it it, it can get interesting. Like I recommend actually competitive Rocket League. Is that on YouTube? I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, like Twitch, whatever okay. ninjas, a mixer, whatever ninja streams on these days. 
I threw on the uh, the NASCAR yesterday, the esports NASCAR that they're running every Sunday. Just like I was shocked how real it was. I'm not really a NASCAR person anyway, but like to me, especially with like how I normally watch NASCAR, I kind of viewed it as the exact same thing. It was just a bunch of cars going in a circle. Some announcers that knew more about it than me. Like that was kind of it. Major Crane, what do you got? Uh, so to directly address Danny's point, um, I would recommend reading Jesse's book, and I don't have a Netflix, so can't tell you about Tiger King, but I would recommend going outside. Played a lot of one-on-zero basketball the last couple of days. Like I'm back in my middle school basketball days, taking the shots from the corner. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little media cup training. So, I, I mean, it's been nice out the last few days. You know, spring, summer's on the way. Um, so read a couple good books. Get some uh, get some good uh, Netflix watches in if you're a Netflix fan. Um, and But also just don't forget about the, you know, the good outdoors, too. The book, by the way, that people are referencing is Jesse Doherty's book called Buzzsaw. It's on the Washington Nationals World Series. No one kind of mentioned what it was yet. Uh, if we're still doing visuals at this point, uh, Anthony Nubundo is holding up uh, uh, the cover of the book. If we're not doing visuals, then this is terrible podcasting. Anthony, what, uh, what do you recommend? Uh, so courtesy of Nick Alvarez, I've actually just started a new book called Hot Hand, Mystery of Science and Streaks. I'm actually only 10 pages in, so I don't know. Uh, quite if I'd recommend it yet, but Nick recommended it to me, so I think it's supposed to be a, a good book. Uh, and then in terms of TV shows, it was the first TV show I fell in love with. I've already seen every episode, but I forget many of them, and it was a long time ago. So I'm rewatching House, MD, uh, starring Hugh Laurie. Amazing time. Comparing, in case you get called in. Yeah, exactly. I'm Lucas. <laughs> Lucas. But, uh, <laughs> but that, and then uh, video games, that will be the show. 20 just came out, so I've been breaking in that a little bit too. And lots of board games. So just lots of family time as well. To chime in for myself, I got my Xbox 360 back up yesterday. Okay. Uh, putting together a Heisman season as the uh, quarterback of Syracuse on NCAA 14. So uh, hopefully we can finish that one out on top. And uh, I watched Ford Ferrari the other day. Very good movie with uh, Matt Damon and, oh, his name's escaping me. Professional. Christian Bale, Matt Damon, Christian Bale. It's a go with my racing kick. Apparently, that's what I'm into now. It's car racing. Since I've, since I've been trapped in my house. Major Graham, do you have a final recommendation for the people? Yeah, this is this is a, a show, and it's like currently in its first season. It's Dave on FX. It's Little Dickie's show, which I know sounds ridiculous, but I sort of described it. My dad is like curb your enthusiasm, but like a, a different Jewish guy, and he's younger. Um, it's it's <laughs> probably high. It's it's really funny. It's really well written. It's really good. I recommend it's on Hulu. Um, I recommend it if you uh, you have the Hulu, which also has live sports. I think I'm contractually obligated to say it right now. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It is it is very very fun. All right, I think that pretty much wraps us up here. I have no idea when we'll be back on the Do Sports Cast. Uh, we'll have to see what people liked and didn't like about this. I know uh, for us six, it at least took up 40 minutes of our otherwise probably boring night. So maybe we'll uh, just do this every three hours. Um, but for read now, the Daily Orange. Read the Daily Orange. DailyOrange.com. Our website. DailyOrange.com. Backslash sports. Uh, otherwise, this has been the DO Sportscast.